are listening to the Traditional Outdoors Podcast. Merry Christmas, everyone, and welcome to the Traditional Outdoors Podcast. Hopefully, Merry Christmas doesn't offend you. I'm not a big Happy Holidays person. Uh, I celebrate Christmas. I'm not ashamed of it. So, it's Merry Christmas. If somebody says Happy Holidays to me, I will usually respond in kind, just out of politeness, but... You know, that's that's the way I was brought up. It's it's Christmas time. So anyway, Merry Christmas. This is probably, I know I mentioned last week, I wasn't sure if I'd get an episode in this week. Uh, ultimately, I decided to do so. Just, I'm going to use this as kind of a, a recap on 2022. Um, I've got some plans for the first few episodes of 2023. I'll probably talk about that at the end of the episode. Uh, and if you're uh, following me on social media, you probably already have an idea of what that, that initial topic might be. But anyway, so 2022, uh, it's, you know, it's been a different year. I would say in, in a lot of ways, it was a year of, of various changes for me. Um, obviously, uh, my wife passing away last year and getting through, the fall and the holidays last year and, and starting out, you know, 2022, just in a, a really different place than I'd, than I'd found myself in for over 20 years. It was a bit of change. Uh, it was a bit of change for my daughter, Bella. Um, she has been amazing in, in many ways. She's my hero. It's she, she's moved forward with her life um, while still, remembering and, and thinking about her mother, even though, you know, she's not here with us anymore. She just finished up her, her first semester of her senior year of college, a honor roll. Uh, you know, I just, I couldn't be more proud of her. She's, she's accomplished so much and I know she's going to accomplish so much more. Uh, also been a bit of change for me with regards to new relationship. Obviously I've, I've mentioned, uh, Amy on the podcast and, and that's been, that's been really good for me. Um, her and Bella get along well. So that's also a huge positive for me. Uh, I don't know that that really had a lot of impact on my outdoor activities over the course of, of 2022, we did get out and do some things in the outdoors, but for the most part, I did what I've always done. Uh, and we'll talk, I'm going to talk a little bit about more, a little bit about more of that as I go forward. But what I did find was that I had some desires that started showing up the first of the year around getting back into some activities that, I really just haven't, haven't participated in, haven't wanted to participate in. And I really don't know where that came from. Maybe it was just, you know, in some ways a, a fresh start or a different start. Uh, I really don't know, but early on in the year, I found myself thinking about, you know, getting back into, uh, I wouldn't say hunting, so to speak when it first started, but really getting back into shooting handguns which led to a pursuit of a single shot, uh, handgun that I would eventually 
thought I might eventually want to use for hunting. And when I did that, I decided I wanted to find a, a Thompson Center contender, something I hunted with for many years uh, in a round that I had always wanted, but I had never uh, purchased. And that was a 375 JDJ. Short uh, story behind that round, it is. it started out as a Wildcat. It's based on the 444 Marlin case and it's neck down to 375 caliber. It was the brainchild I believe, somebody might correct me on this, but I believe it was the brainchild of J.D. Jones. I'm almost positive because of the J.D.J. Uh, stamping. And there were several of those. There was a 309 J.D.J., which I may get at some point, and a few others. But I'd always wanted that 375. A uh, good friend of mine, fairly short order, found not only a 375 14-inch uh, barrel, but also found me a... Uh, Gen 2 contender frame. So I ended up buying, you know, the, the entire gun. Sci uh, scope, barrel, um, a Gen 2 uh, action. And that kind of, that kind of started um, the path forward. The more I thought about it, I thought, you know what, if I get an opportunity, I would like to hunt some, you know, in the fall with a firearm, which I've only spent one day thus far um, well, that's not true. I spent one day in North Carolina and one day in Georgia hunting with a uh, firearm this year so far. So not a lot. And I really don't know that I ever will want to do it a lot. I, I still much prefer, uh, hunting with my, with my longbow, but you know, it's just, it's, it's something a little bit different just to, to break the cycle, so to speak. I also thought about possibly doing some, uh, primitive weapon hunting with muzzleloader, and that ended up coming, uh, coming forward, coming true in uh, late, uh, let's see, was it late October, early November timeframe? Uh, I guess it was early November timeframe. I did take a, a nice whitetail buck in North Carolina with a muzzleloader. Getting a little bit ahead of myself here. But anyway, bottom line, I've, I had several things I wanted to get back into that I did for many years, 20 plus years ago, and I haven't really had any desire to do it since. But once that, once that seed was planted in my mind, you know, I'd been bit by the bug. So it, you know, one, one contender turned into two, turned into a couple of barrels. Good friend, Ryan Tucker just up and sent me a 10 inch, uh, 44 Magnum barrel, which I've actually got out and shot quite a bit. Um, various other calibers I ended up with 35 Remington, which I've always loved. Uh, even though brass now is just almost impossible to find, but I have procured a couple hundred cases of once fired brass. So between now and next year, I'll be getting that, that handgun dialed in. Um, and I ended up buying a 375 JDJ rifle, a 20 inch rifle barrel, which I added a stock and four in. So I can shoot handgun or I can shoot uh rifle. I did hunt with that combination once on a management hunt here in Georgia, but it really wasn't even a full day. Uh, let's see. That also led to, uh, wanting to get back into reloading. And at this point I have reloaded, uh, some 375 JDJ. I've also purchased, uh, pretty much all the equipment I need, um, including dies to load the, the 375 JDJ um, 44 Magnum, 35 Remington, and then 
a few months ago, I actually ran across a TC Encore. Uh, for those that don't know the difference, they're both single shot platforms. The Contender is mostly, well, not mostly, it is designed for lower pressure rounds. You can think of rounds like 3030 Winchester, 730 Waters, uh, 44, 357, 357 maximum. There's a whole list of calibers, but it is a, the frame will not handle the higher pressures of rounds like, um, 380 or, uh, excuse me, 380, 280 or 308, 30-06, those, you know, those higher pressure rounds. So TC released the Encore to take care of that. And I've always been a fan of the 280 Remington or seven millimeter express. It's the same, it's the same round. It had a couple of different names, but, um, I found an Encore in 280 Remington and soon after purchasing it found out that 280 Remington is also another round. It's almost impossible to find though. I did find a few boxes and now I have the brass. I can load whatever I want. So that'll be another round that I'm loading for going forward. And let me think, uh, there was one other one I picked up, got a, just stumbled across a great deal on a Remington XP 100, which is a, uh, a bolt action handgun that Remington released. I want to say it was around 1969. Maybe that might not be exactly right, but it's been around a long time. And while I would love to find a one of the older XP 100s. This one happens to be an XP 100 R, which is a three shot bolt action, but it does have a, a magazine. It's not a single shot and it's in 260 Remington. So, you know, I've, I've spent a good bit of time shooting those over the summer. And so far I have not been out hunting with one of the handguns yet. I really just feel like I need to spend more time back behind the trigger before I feel comfortable hunting with a handgun, but it is on my uh, agenda for next year. May or may not carry the uh, rifles out next year. Just It just depends. Not sure. Uh, so anyway, a lot of different bugs kind of got into my, my brain that I wanted to go back and or itches that I wanted to go back and scratch again. And then, then another one came up kind of a, a roundabout way, but my brother was a, uh, or is a retired, uh, Marine, U S Marine. And he worked in an armory, uh, the majority of the time he was in the core. So he has built more, uh, M 16s, AR 15s, whatever you want to call it. than probably I know anybody I know. And we got to talking and decided I wanted to build an AR, which ended up becoming two ARs. And I built a M16 replica uh, in 5.56 that I really don't plan to hunt with. It'll be just something to get out and shoot for fun. Uh, and more recently, I built a second one. It is based on a 300 blackout, which I do plan on hunting some with. In fact, I will probably be hunting some with that New Year's weekend in North Carolina. I'm planning to take that up with me to hunt up there along with that, that 280 Remington Encore. So, um, their season, the North Carolina season ends right after New Year's. So I will wrap up the season up there. And when I get back here, I've still got, um, some land that I can hunt up to the end of January, and I'm honestly just not sure that I'm going to or not. The The property does have a problem with coyotes, and I'm actually thinking about maybe doing some uh, coyote hunting with the 300 blackout uh, instead of 
instead of deer hunting. So I'm not sure my, you know, next weekend may wrap up my deer season. Just haven't decided yet. Um, so let's see that all happened pretty early in the year. And after that, I remember I was really looking forward to a fly fishing trip, uh, for the North Carolina season opener something that I've done off and on for many years. Uh, but I hadn't been in a while, so I really wanted to do that. And initially it was going to be a pretty good crew, um, with myself, Tom Jurgensen, Nick View, uh, Derek Sheehan and my brother, my buddy, Brandon Gravett, who here lives here pretty close to me, uh, as well as my brother, uh, was supposed to come up for that hunt and various things happened. My, my father had some health issues, so my brother had to back out. Uh, Tom started a new, uh, new job, new career. So he had to back out just because of, you know, limitation with vacation days. When he backed out, Nick kind of said, you know, I could drive by myself, but I got a lot of things going on too. So I'm probably not going to be able to make it. Uh, so it ended up being just me, Brandon and, uh, Derek and, uh, his wife, Susan came down and, you know, we had a really good time. We, we caught, uh, quite a few, uh, trout between us. I want to say all but one day, I think I caught the, the limit, you know, if I'd been keeping them, but I wasn't keeping any fish. Uh, Derek brought down a ton, um, of bamboo fly rods that he made. I think I, he brought six or seven and I had never fished with a bamboo rod. I'd cast them and I knew I wanted Derek to build me one. I'd already talked to him about it and he brought all these different tapers and, I think the first night I was, I, I was up in North Carolina for this trip. I went to the cabin that Derek was staying in and, and he started bringing these rods out of the tubes and said, you know, tell me which one feels best. And as soon as this one rod hit my hand, I was like, this is it. I, I mean, I just knew it felt perfect for me. So Derek is actually in the process of building me, uh, one of those bamboo fly rods. I can't wait to get it. Uh, but while we were on that trip, I actually, actually all three of us spent a day, uh, fishing with those, those, uh, handmade split bamboo fly rods. And it was, it was great. I mean, I caught my first trout on one of those rods, really enjoyed it. Uh, we just had a great, uh, a, a, a great weekend that weekend, uh, fishing and sitting around the campfire and eating good food and casting bamboo fly rods. And one thing that happened, I don't remember if I've mentioned this on the podcast, but there is an animal that lives in the mountain streams of the Carolinas, uh, Georgia, I'm sure Tennessee as well. I don't know outside of that area, but it's a very large salamander. They can get, you know, 12 to 15 inches in length. And they're commonly known as a hellbender. And I don't know the, pardon me, I don't know the scientific name for it, but it's a really really cool animal. And I've looked for one for many years. I remember years ago, I saw one that was, um, that was, it was, it was dead and it had been, you know, partially eaten by something. And that was the only, I've always wanted to see one live. And the day we were fishing with the bamboo fly rods, I was, I had gotten away from the group and I'd walked a good bit up a, a road that sort of followed the stream, but it had broken off from the stream. And I remember making my way through some of the nastiest, thickest tangles of, of mountain laurel to get back to the stream thinking, you know, I'd find an area that was less fished. And I do believe it was. And I was standing there and maybe, 
I don't know, it probably wasn't even, I know it wasn't knee deep, between ankle deep and knee deep water. And I just happened to look down and some movement caught my eye. And lo and behold, there was a hellbender. And I got, you know, I got video of it, um, watched it for a long time. It was just a really cool experience. And they're, they're actually getting to be fairly rare. I'm not sure if they're endangered yet or not, but I do know that the North Carolina uh, Wildlife Commission wants you to report if you see one because it's, uh, again, they're not, they're not very common anymore. And it's a great indicator of water quality if you do see one. So first time I've had an opportunity to do something like that, which again was, was really, really cool. So I'm planning on that trip again this coming November, excuse me, coming April and uh, I do believe Tom is going to make it down for that trip. I know Derek's already planning on making it down and we may all just get one, uh, big cabin through an Airbnb and, and do that as opposed to the tent. So we're not driving back and forth and, you know, we can spend a lot more time, uh, in fellowship when we're not on the stream fishing. So really looking forward to that. Uh, and Amy's planning on, on joining us as well. So she has, Shown some interest in fly fishing, and I think that may be that may be her introduction into that world. We will we will have to wait and see. So after trout season, um, and I guess I should back up a little bit. So I do a, typically do a lot of three D shooting over the course of the summer. We have our local club, North Georgia Traditional Archery. Uh, I typically help set the course every month. We have a shoot the first Saturday of every month outside of deer season. So January through August, we have, we have shoots and I don't know exactly what the heck happened last year, but I know I made it to the January shoot and I made it to the February shoot. I don't think I ever made it to March or anything after that. And it was just, you know, kind of a comedy of errors as to why the, uh, one trip was the weekend that the North Carolina trout season opener took place. Gene, Gene is another one. Gene Bramlett was another one that was planning on coming on that trip. And he bowed out so that he could set the course. So like I said, we had a crew of people that were supposed to attend that, that, uh, trout season opener that just for one reason or another, several of them fell out. But so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I missed March though. I can't remember why I know I missed the April, uh, shoot, I ended up missing the May shoot because of the, some of the oral surgery that I had over the course of the summer and some bone grafts and so forth. Um, I can't remember why I missed the June shoot, but I'm almost positive I did, or maybe for the June shoot, I just ran up, shot the course real quick and, and came back home. There was something going on. that made me miss that one. Um, the July shoot, I was on vacation and then when the August shoot rolled around, I want to say it was something about, I believe I was moving Bella into her first apartment for college. So I missed almost the whole uh, 3D season, which was very unusual for me. And it resulted in having to spend a lot of time in the backyard. And I shoot a good bit in my backyard anyway, but a lot more and a lot more trying to build you know, some realism into it, you know, hunting type shots, sitting down, standing up, you know, weird angles, those kind of things. And like I said, I, I typically shoot a lot in the backyard anyway, but I, I do remember there was a lot more, especially as we got into uh, late July and August that I really started ramping up my shooting. So a little bit different, but 
I, I knew it was something that I needed to do um, to be prepared for the season. And though I really, really wanted to hunt this year with the second bow that Jamie Burkhead built for me, uh, which is named Alter Ego, just a beautiful bow, a little bit heavier than than what I shot last year. Um, I had to I had to stick with my bow Yankee, which uh, 54 28 is plenty heavy, but I really did want to go back to my little bit heavier longbow and I just didn't feel, uh, I didn't feel like I'd had the time, uh, to be prepared to do that. So as I'm wrapping up this year, that's one of the big things on my list is Yankee is going to be set aside, um, for the reason of, I plan to shoot nothing, uh, starting January 1, uh, until early September next year, except alter ego. I really want to hit the woods with that bow. It's just a, it's a beautiful bow. Uh, and I, again, with the, with the two and a quarter inch wide tree sharks that I love to hunt with, I really want that little bit of extra oomph. So I will be getting back to that bow. Um, so yeah, so from there moved into deer season. A lot of this, you know, I've talked about on various episodes, uh, and maybe even have mentioned some of it on, on this episode, Early season really got myself into a bit of a, a funk or a rut. I, I was determined to take an animal on a certain piece of land that I was hunting. Um, and I've had real good success there in the, in the years past. And it's easily accessible. So it's private. It's 30 minutes from my house with a he- hectic work schedule and everything else. It was just very convenient. And I really got stuck in a rut and I was not seeing the animals that I'm accustomed to. Uh, I think part of that we ended up finding out later in the season because we know we've got a problem with trespassers. Uh, there's some housing, uh, a, a subdivision that borders this property. And we know we've got people that are, that are walking in. We're taking steps to correct that problem. So hopefully it's better yesterday, next year. But I honestly just think a lot of the deer had been run off the property property. It's only a, you know, a hundred, little over a hundred acres. I think there were probably a lot of animals, um, taken potentially illegally with, uh, firearms, maybe not even in the proper season or who knows, could have been over the summer, but it was a drastic change from what I'm used to. I'm used to seeing animals pretty much every time I hunt this property, I'm used to seeing multiple animals. And to date, the only doe, despite quite a bit of hunting on this property, um, the only does I have seen is I saw one doe opening day at like I don't know, 50 yards eating muscadines, never got really close to me at all. And I saw two last week while Tom was here hunting with me. I did manage to see two does late one afternoon, but again, long ways off, wasn't even close. So I know there's, I know something happened. I just, you know, I'm just making some guesses as to what, and I'm hoping to do a little bit on that property for next year. Gene and I are talking about, not for hunting, but for bringing some animals back into the property. We're talking about planting some food plots and so forth. Again, nothing, I'm, I'm not a big set over a food plot person, but we feel like we need something to draw some of these deer back in because it's clearly not what we're accustomed to seeing. And we've posted the property and we are also looking into um, various means of dealing with some of these individuals from a legal perspective as well. So, um Enough about that. 
Uh, so after my funk, and I know I recorded an episode about this, I broke away, went back to public land the first day out, had a, you know, close encounter with several whitetails, ended up shaving the hair off of, of one buck's chest, which ended up being a blessing. He wasn't a very large animal, uh, or, you know, from an antler's perspective. Uh, and I ended up later shooting two really nice bucks in Georgia and tagging out. So I'm not you know, I'm not sorry about, or, you know, I don't feel bad about that, that mistake. Um, there was not any, nothing other than hair cut off that animal. So he, you know, the animal was basically just educated and wasn't hurt in any way. Um, and then after that, right after that, I actually went, uh, up to North Carolina for the first time. Uh, first morning up there, shot a really nice eight point, uh, with muzzleloader. So that was really cool. Um, did get the chance to hunt with my brother a little bit and it was really nice to, to shoot an animal on property that I've not hunted on in over 20 years. Uh, but it was also the same, the same farm that I cut my teeth deer hunting on. So it was a bit nostalgic, but it really felt good to be able to go back and, and day one, you know, I took a nice animal. And before the weekend was over, while I didn't hunt with a, a bow that weekend, I passed on a, a young buck at maybe 10 yards that if I'd had a, if I'd had my bow with me, I'd have probably shot. So, you know, to have a couple of really close encounters on a property I haven't hunted for many years felt really good. Um, the, the eight point I killed was shot at maybe 50 yards, maybe not even that, um, 40 to 50 yards. So relatively close, not longbow close, but, but relatively close. Uh, and I'm still hoping I've got, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to be hunting there next weekend and I've still got, um, several tags. I've got four doe tags and a, and a buck tag. It'd be really cool to tag out on, a on bucks in two States, but I'm not going to let that really dictate I want one more, uh, I definitely want one more animal for the freezer. I want some cube steak and probably some more, uh, venison sausage. Uh, I had one of the animals that I took this year, pretty much all of it made into sausage and it is disappearing really fast cause it's really good. And I know we're going to use a good bit of that over the next week for the holidays with various dishes that it will be prepared. So, uh, I would like to get one more for the freezer, and if I could get two, I have no doubt it would be, uh, it would be eaten. And if one of those is a buck, great. But if not, you know, it doesn't really, it doesn't really bother me that much or dictate, uh, what I'm going to, you know, how I'm going to hunt that kind of thing. Um, I returned from that trip in North Carolina and had one additional vacation day, uh, that already scheduled. So, Came home on uh, Sunday because Amy had to return back to work Monday morning. And Monday morning found me back in the same location where I had shaved the hair off the buck back in October. And for those that follow anything on the YouTube channel for Traditional Outdoors, and if you don't, please hop over and subscribe. would greatly appreciate it. Um, I had posted a video last year of a year on a public or I think it was a year on a game trail, but it was on public land. It was a camera that I placed in January of 21 and recovered on February in February of 2022. 
And after editing the video down and getting rid of blank spaces and clips with no animals in sight, that kind of thing, it ended up being an hour and a half long. It's really cool. It is on the YouTube channel. You should check it out. But I went back to that location and very early that morning, I shot uh, a nice public land doe. I could have taken a buck that morning as well, but it's a pretty good hike. I think Tom said this week after we went back in there, after crossing the creek, it was 1.6 miles and it's about a mile down to the creek that you have to cross. And it's a, I mean, you have to have hip boots on to cross it. So it's, you know, pretty much a three mile trek. And I had to be, I had to leave that property by three o'clock to make sure I could get, um, some, my, my daughter's cats were in, we're in boarding. I had to pick those up that afternoon. So I had a cutoff. And as far as I was back in there, I knew I was going to have multiple trips out, even with butchering the deer in the woods. I couldn't carry all my equipment and the deer in one trip. So anyway, I passed on the buck that morning. And I think by the end of the morning, I had uh, 11 whitetails within 15 yards that morning. So um, I was very happy with that doe. And then shortly thereafter, I think that was on... I want to say that was on the 15th. No, that's not right. That was on the 4th of November. I think that's right. Um, a couple of weeks later, on the 22nd of November, I got my first opportunity uh, at a, a really nice buck and uh, capitalized on that. There's been a podcast on that. Wasn't the greatest um, from a, a shot execution perspective. Managed to shoot a limb. Uh, which oddly enough, I haven't posted a video of that yet. I know I, I talked about it. I may still do it. But when Tom was here last week, I pulled up the video to get his opinion and, and let him see the video. And the first th thing Tom says, now this was on my, my big screen TV and I've been looking at it on a computer monitor, but immediately Tom goes, you can see the limb shaking. And I had never noticed it because you the limb where I hit it is out of frame. But if you're watching when I execute the shot off over my kind of over my head in the video, you can see the limb start shaking and it, it continues to shake the whole time the video is running. So I think, you know, that helps me feel a little bit better about posting it that, you know, it's clear that an obstacle was encountered. Um, again, would love to avoid it will be something I think about again in the future that I just didn't think about that day. But, uh, anyway, that buck was recovered fairly quickly, made a, might've went 60 yards, somewhere between 60 and 80 yards and, and piled up. And then roughly a week later, uh, was pretty much hunting back in the same general area and shot, uh, an even nicer buck, a uh, nice eight point. And karma struck me again. This was on the last episode I had, I don't know that it was muscadine. There was both muscadine and greenbrier vines in this tree. And I'd cleaned them out from around my seating area, my stand area, but they were still above me. I did check for limb clearance, looked good. And the only thing I can think of is as I leaned into the shot and canted the bow, I do shoot with a cant. I think the bow got into the vines because of the cant, because as soon as I released, and even in the video, you can hear nothing but rattle, and there's nothing on my bow. It's not a quiver rattling, because it's a it's an ASL bow. Quiver is not attached to the bow when I'm hunting. 
and you can hear the awfulest bunch of rattling and it pulled my shot hard to the left. Um, I knew the shot was way back on this animal and ended up just backing out of the area completely, knew it was a lethal hit. And the last thing I wanted to do was push this animal. So I backed out, ended up um, securing a tracking dog and went back in about 12 hours later. And we found him in his bed about 200 yards away. But I have no doubt, none whatsoever, if I had tried to, to track that bow, track that bow, track that deer earlier, uh, it would have resulted in pushing that animal potentially off the property and maybe not even recovering. As it was, we found him still on the property, and again, he only went about 200 yards. So it ended up being a a fairly happy ending. I don't like the fact that I put that animal through that because I know there was there was additional suffering there. But you know, as I said before, it happens. It's not something you can you can always avoid, uh, especially when you have situations like that where. You know, it's a hunting situation. I'm also trying to film. I've got, you know, camera running that I'm trying. And this isn't excuses. I'm just stating the fact of what I was going on. You know, I'm trying to get myself positioned for a shot. I'm trying to determine where the animal is going to ultimately pass by. I'm trying to get the camera right. I'm trying to make sure the camera's in frame. I'm trying to run the camera. I'm trying to check for limb clearance. And then finally I get a shot and, you know, something went south. Uh, I wouldn't, I don't know that I'd change anything if I could, other than maybe I'd glance up at my limb again, uh, maybe. Um, but that's, it's all easier to say that in hindsight than it is when, when things are actually happening. Uh, so anyway, the only really thing I've got left from this, the, from this year, Tom did come down, uh, last week. He spent a week here. We got out several times, but it was a working it was a working, I won't call it even a vacation. It was a normal work week. Uh, Tom, Tom arrived Saturday night and I want to say, yeah, Sunday, it did nothing but rain, just, just miserable rain. So we sat around, caught up on old, you know, caught up on what's happened between the two of us over the course of the year, talked a little bit about old times. He got to meet Amy and they had some great conversations. And then the rest of the week we were working, but as we could adjust our schedules and maybe front load work or back load work, you know, we would take a few hours uh, in the afternoon or in the morning and, and hit the woods a couple days. We had another day of heavy rain during the middle of the week. So I'm trying to remember, I think we ended up getting out uh, roughly four two hour hunts. So either two hours in the morning or two hours in the afternoon. Uh, Tom had a really good buck. I think it was Thursday afternoon. Uh, come in, never gave him a shot, got in closest. I think he said was around 40 yards. So, you know, no shot, but it was really cool to have that, that experience. And then Friday morning, uh, we hit some public land and I think he said five does. He had several does come in on him again. Those, some of those were pretty close. He did at one point have a shot, uh, tried to execute a shot and one of the younger animals caught movement and kind of boogered everything up and they, you know, they didn't like tear out of there, but they knew something wasn't right, moved off. He never, he never did get a shot. And then Saturday I saved that location where I'd placed the the trail camera in 2021, uh, just because it's just a great travel corridor. It's a, it's a great natural funnel. It's big enough that, um, 
we could spread out. One could hunt the the north end of this this trail. The other one could hunt the south end. We weren't impacting each other. Uh, but we we parked at like ten till five with our gear ready to go, and it was uh, I think it was quarter till seven when I finally got settled in. And a little after seven, when I got the text from Tom saying that he had, you know, got his stand up and had gotten settled in. So, you know, two hours to get into a place on public land to hunt. Part of that was from terrain. Part of it was just the distance. Part of it was crossing, again, a pretty wide and somewhat swollen creek because, as I said, it was raining two whole days that week before uh, we actually hit that location. And... The other part of it, it is in it is in the North Georgia mountains, and you run into a lot of mountain laurel, and there were places we were almost on our hands and feet crawling, and in fact, Tom may have been. Um, so it was it was it was a it was a chore getting back there, and of course, as soon as I carry somebody with me, we didn't see a thing. Um, I'm assuming maybe since the last time I hunted it, the food sources changed up a little bit, or maybe somebody else has been in there and and spooked them out for the time being i know they'll be back but it's one of those places it's so good i won't hunt it but maybe three times a year spread those hunts out by about a month i just i really don't want to uh booger this place up and and teach those animals to just not come through there because most of the travel is is in daylight hours just great setup but anyway, it was great to have a week with tom uh really enjoyed hunting with him we also got to talk about um, our, some of our 2023 plans as it stands right now, we will be hunting antelope in Wyoming in 2023. Uh, we're still kind of talking about and debating a little bit what that hunt will be, but right now we'll say it's probably about 80%. It will be a gun, uh, hunt later in the season. We've, we've hunted with our, our longbows out there and I think we both want something just a little bit different. We're not doing guide. It will be public land, 100% self-guided. Um, so stay tuned for that as, as things materialize, you know, we may, we may get together on the show and actually talk about our plans. So, you know, if somebody else is thinking about that, maybe they can, they can benefit from, from our work, so to speak. And with that, I think I'm, I'm, I'm ready to wrap this episode up. 2022 has been a really good year. I'm already looking forward to 2023. Uh, I already have plans for some things in 2023. So, you know, stay tuned for those. I will say, uh, I'm not sure if there will be an episode next week. I've got a lot going on with the trip to North Carolina and I am actually still working this week. Um, so I don't know if I'll get an episode out next week or not. If I can, I will. But the next two to three episodes, and who knows, maybe even four, we're going to dive into postseason scouting. Um, we'll break that up into, again, several episodes covering various things like, you know, why postseason scouting, why I feel like it's so important, what some of the advantages are uh, for postseason scouting. Uh, I'm going to talk about documenting what you find, basically journaling. Uh, we'll probably talk a little bit about topography. Well, I mean, who knows? I don't know where this is going to go. I've already started, uh, putting together my, my cheat sheet for notes for each episode. And right now I know I'm up to three episodes just on, uh, postseason scouting. And I want to keep those about 30 minutes, 30 to 45 minutes, just so they're 
digestible. You can go back and listen to them easily without having to wade through, you know, two hours worth of material. Um, but I think they'll be, I think they'll be really helpful and maybe it'll give some people the, the encouragement to get out, uh, and, and get started on postseason scouting as soon as they can. That's going to be dependent upon where you're located. I know up North, you really can't do postseason scouting very effectively until spring. Uh, and that's okay. It just gives you more time to think about it and maybe plan. And that's another one that's probably at least a big portion of one episode, if not a whole episode is, is having a plan for when you go out, um, scouting really anytime, but especially in postseason. Uh, but I don't want to get into that now. So stay tuned for that. Listen for that. And I'm going to wrap this one up again. Uh, I want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas. I want to wish everyone a happy new year and a fruitful 2023, just in case I don't get a chance to record next week. And I will have some more content for you very soon. Again, if not next week, then definitely the first week of the new year. So until then, take care, everyone, and talk to you very soon.